I'd like to make a few remarks on the subject of the individual as creator. Now, why do I talk about individual, singular, and a distinguished group? There is no doubt you're a group. There's no doubt whatever. Well, that is done for a very specific purpose, and that is I am talking to you as individual and individual and individual because you're all different. If I knew you well enough, I would see the differences myself. I'm sorry that I don't know you well enough. But all the same, the possibilities of future for you young people are all different. And from the same kind of stimulus, many of you will react in many different ways. So this is what I'm going to try to do. Now, there, one could almost say there's an infinite number of ways that one could be concerned with creativity. Because the longer we go, with the more knowledge we get, the more different kinds of activities are possible, creative activities. But just to mention a few, the teacher, in his case, the pupil who is helped, inspired to become a creator on his own part, that is the, the gift of the, to the teacher himself, the researcher in the general sense, the creative writer, and we mustn't forget the artist. Now these different groups, these different kinds, what do they have in common? They have one specific thing in common, and that is the need for repeated frequent periods of quiet self-observation and penetrating the area of the mind bordering on the subconscious. The necessity of realizing the fundamental incompleteness of most efforts in creation is something also that in the course of time I hope that one will learn because it's two, for two reasons. One is never really complete and this implies in addition one is never at the end of the exciting kinds of creation that one is doing. We progress, we perceive the new in glimpses, occasional glimpses. And we are encouraged in our work in knowing that we will never reach the end of our creative journey. Because of the glimpses, we continue to get of forms and structures just beyond the range of where we are working at present, we can say again that we will never run out of our course of creation. Each of us is blessed in the creative qualities unique to ourselves. You are each yourself and everyone else is, and I'm going to say this time herself, after all, it's going to take quite a bit of that to even up, you know. <laughs> we are all different, and the solution of our creative attempts will also differ from person to person. This is the most remarkable group of young people that I have ever been connected with in my life. I have been an astronomer for something more than 58 years, and I have been from place to place, and I have seen quite a few people. And I want to say that this is the most distinguished group. My feeling and overtone of the possibilities for creativeness as individuals that I have ever encountered. 
Now I would like to take, I have a, a minute or two left, and I would like to take just a moment to speak from the point of view, this has been very general. Uh, I was at Washington Lee University in Virginia for three years getting ready to teach English, English literature in high schools somewhere, somewhere. Uh, at the end of the third year, through a combination of circumstances, there isn't time to describe, but which resulted in my receiving an offer from the Yerkes Observatory in Wisconsin. I had been in the South my entire life. I, didn't, I knew Wisconsin existed, but I didn't know what it looked like. <laughs> I was offered an assistantship at the Yerkes Observatory for a salary of $1,200 a year. I have only three years now of college. I have no degree whatever. So on Labor Day of that uh, year, 19... 26, I arrived at Yerkes Observatory, and in a sense, I have been over various parts of the world, and I am still there. I am most thankful for this opportunity because it has made possible a kind of life that I had dreamed of uh, most of my conscious life, where there would be lots of time. One, first of all, has a job, and one has to do the job, but there would be lots of time where, in addition to being with people, because we need people to be with them and be friends, there would be large amounts of time which one could be on oneself and would not have someone knocking on one's door every few minutes. That's not anti-person uh, at all, because this made possible the kind of explorations that I hope to make. Well, I was very fortunate. It took me a long time to get to tenure because I had never had a course in astronomy when I got out there, and I didn't have any formal courses when I got there. Uh, so it took a while to uh, get around enough inside the head to where I, had a, I have an honest PhD degree. There's nothing wrong with it at all. And, uh, <laughs> but it took 11 years to get tenure. Well, now, I'm glad I was born when I was because now, after two appointments, usually at most fine universities, or three years each, which is six years, you're either up or out. Well, if it had been those days the same thing, I would have been out. I don't know where I would be now. So you see, I was born at exactly the right moment in time. Well, I want just to mention these things. I hope I would. Uh, and even in these rather uh, hectic days, if you want to make the effort and plan a little and also expect there will be times when you can't control exactly what you want to do and where you want to be, one can have a period, maybe even a half hour a day, sometimes maybe no hours, and sometimes one has a day where one examines looks inside oneself, thinks about the things one loves, the things one would like to do, and in the course of time, if one does this, one finds this structure begins to develop. That is, the things that one thinks about in a random fashion, some of them will develop, and they will have take a certain form to where one can see and plan the sort of way one might want to attack some of these problems. And this is the beautiful thing that results from the aloneness the poverty of aloneness when one wants to be alone. Well, that's enough for that. Now, just at the end, I want to mention <laughs> there, was, uh, there is a very distinguished American astronomer named James Gunn. He is only about 50 years old. He was at Caltech until recently. Now he's at uh, Princeton. And we were in a meeting together a few months ago, and we were talking about answers to questions. And he came out with this remark. The only answers to questions are incomplete answers. Now, if you're balancing your checkbook, that is not exactly true. But don't take that too, too lightly, because uh, there was a man named Girdle around 1930 
who upset with one little move many of the proofs all the way in mathematics back to the time of Euclid in geometry, for example. So uh, it is true, don't, don't mess around with, your, with it balancing your checkbook. The point is, the most remarkable thing for me that has happened is that I have seen time after time that things that look so beautifully sharp, you know, pear-shaped and everything like that, if one looks more carefully, one finds this thing about the incomplete answers because it turns out this is more complicated than we thought before and more complicated that people are usually willing to accept. But this is all in the direction of enriching the universe. The fact they are more complicated and one cannot do something and say, all right, that's it, and then go on and do something else. You can do it if you want to. You can have fun. But if you want to stay to the limit that can be done in some particular area of interest, one has to keep in mind all the time, this is incomplete. I'm going to try to see how complete I can make it. But I never will have illusions that I'm saying the last word about any of the great important problems in life. Thank you.